1: Alright, well James is showing the party now. He'll be up fourth right now. It's good morning, Lonnie. Good morning, Bob. Morning, sir.
2: Um Bob, uh I it's going to be three years old, about uh the latter part of the summer. Okay. Uh a gardenia plant that in a week moment I purchased at uh, <laughs> big box.
1: Uh yes and, sir. Uh,
2: it uh I I planted it in a uh I think a proper medium of of uh, some good potting soil as well as some uh, uh, what is it perlite. Okay. And in a fifteen inch pot, mm-hmm. and it has grown beautifully. I have to say.
1: Okay. Um, you know,
2: modesty, uh, until I'm afraid I probably let it go dry, and no matter how much water I seem to put in that pot now, it just it 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 seems to be constantly dry
1: and is it and losing yellow the, leaves
2: yeah well the the, the yes or some yellow leaves there are also some uh, brown tipped leaves and it, but it has lots of good strong stems and mm-hmm. so forth um it, and and i put some fish emulsion to, to kind of boost it a little bit um anything i'm doing wrong that.
1: I hear the frustration in your voice. No, you just wanted to get well overnight. And when a plant, a sensitive plant like a gardenia, dries out excessively, what happens is probably a substantial portion of the very fine roots that we call root hairs, they in effect died. When they got too dry, they're very, very fragile things, and yeah. it's going to take your gardenia a little time to reestablish those things so um it, Do I it need
0: to prune any?
1: no it? no, it needs every leaf it has, even the ones that have a little bit of them look a little bit burned because those leaves are the plant's sole source of energy. they're taking the sun's energy and uh turning it into in effect chemical energy that the plant can use for growing new roots for growing new leaves. And it will come back out, but it may be six months before it really, you know, till it really looks like it's beyond the problem. The good news is, right now, this is the time of year that uh, the gardenia will be putting on lots of new leaves, and they, they may be somewhat smaller, uh, yeah, but they should before. be, yeah, should be a lot better looking. Uh, keep up. You gave it good care for quite a long time. Keep up with your fertilizing program. How how big a pot is it in? Fifteen inch. Okay, so it's not just a monster pot. Um, the other thing that happens when the root ball gets too dry, it shrinks. It pulls away from the side of the pot, and I haven't seen that yet, yeah, and that's what can make it very hard to moisten it again. Uh, I would, at some point um, when you can, I would get. You know, a wash tub, a water trough, something that you can actually set that pot down into actually sitting in water, you know, 6, 8, 10 inches deep. Now, I wouldn't leave it there for a long, long time, but I'd leave it sitting there for two or three hours to really fully rehydrate that root ball and have it expand back out again to where it's going to absorb the moisture better in the future. That's why you're having so much trouble keeping it watered is because uh, there's a lot of airspace in there. But if you could give it about a about a two-hour soak uh, just in, in, I mean, it could be a kid's wading pool. It could be anything that you can submerge it in without, you know, putting the whole root ball in there. But give it a couple of hours soak. Uh, this is going to help the roots, and it's going to make it much easier for you to maintain it in the future.
2: Okay. Sounds good. Oh, uh, well, no, I won't take any more time. I just
1: it <laughs> Go ahead if you have another quick question.
2: Well, no, it, it was really a commentary. Okay. Uh, Bob, about three weeks ago, you you were in in your half hour conversation with uh, Howard Garrett yeah near the end of that conversation uh, you uh, were were discussing with him about um, you were discussing with him the, the the things that we don't know about certain uh, drugs and so forth right uh, or chemicals and, and um, you you Kind of parenthetically, I thought mentioned that. Uh, well, just look at look at what's happening with the vaccinations, and and, mm-hmm. and you were critical, and you you were saying, well, because because we don't know about uh, all the ramifications of say like Roundup, uh, and and you kind of correlated it to um uh, to, to the vaccinations, and I thought that was. Well, a stretch. I mean, goodness knows we have enough doubters out there about the veracity of, sure. of vaccinations.
1: Sure. Well, uh, what I what I was meaning to say there, and I I recall the conversation, but not the real specifics. But um, the fact that, uh, and and Lord knows, vaccinations have saved tens of thousands of lives, and properly prepared vaccines. Um, you know, are one of the greatest things that's ever happened to protect the the peoples of the world, but we've also learned that some of the mercury-based and some of the things that used to be used in vaccine preparation um, were responsible for some autism and things like that, and my comparison of that was that now uh, Roundup has been linked to autism. People used it for years before they realized there was a connection. Fortunately, they have improved the vaccines unfortunately they have not improved roundup and that was the connection i was making it just happened to be a what was once a very common practice that we learned there were some bad things about it and the uh, pharmaceutical industry took the steps to greatly improve things and sadly the chemical industry is not doing that with these herbicides so uh, i'm sorry if i misled you or um, if you thought I was being cavalier in any way, form or fashion, vaccines properly done are wonderful things. I give them to my pets, uh, and if I had kids, which I don't, I probably would give it to them. But there, there, there was a connection in that uh, uh, it was fairly definitive that uh, some of the early vaccine preparations had some tie although it wasn't really totally understood to autism and uh, we're seeing the same exact thing with some of these herbicide problems that then that's that was the link i was making there
2: all right well i appreciate that
1: you're sure welcome you have a great easter lonnie we'll talk again and i will talk to bud good morning bud
3: hey bob i have a live oak tree that has a Trunk about a five inch diameter, Mm -hmm. and it's covered with green moss. Okay. light thin coat of green moss all up and down. Is that of concern?
1: What you are seeing is actually an interesting little plant called a lichen. It is a sign that we've actually had some cool moist weather and it is of zero concern to your oak tree. Perfectly normal thing. It's not taking anything from the tree. It just finds that that nice rough bark is a nice place to live. Now. Do check your five-inch caliper oak tree, and that sounds like a beautiful young tree. Be sure that root flare is exposed. Uh, but this green gray—there are about four different shades of green that may show up on that bark. is totally harmless and totally normal.
3: Yeah, I've got the bark. I've got the pine bark pulled away from the root flare. So. Good. Hey, question. Uh, with your knowledge, do you ever have any concern about your head exploding?
1: Um. <laughs> i just am am blessed to uh my brain there are plenty of things that it doesn't remember but it remembers an awful lot about plants so uh, i don't think there's nearly as much up there as you think there is but uh i i just happen to know a lot about a couple of subjects and uh at this point in my life i'm able to still recall it fairly easily but i don't i don't think we're going to have any explosive effects at this point i certainly hope not Okay, thank you, Bob. It's always a pleasure, bud. Thank you for the call this morning. You bet. Ah, let's see here. Martin's up next. Good morning, Martin. Good
4: morning. How are you this
1: morning, Bob? Good, sir. I tell you, it's a beautiful Easter Sunday out there.
2: Yes, it is. Happy Easter to you. Thank you. Uh, I got one real quick question before I walk out the door and go to church. Okay. I got a real mature tangerine tree. Yes, sir. And every year it, it produces great tangerines, plentiful. Okay. All right, but right now the trunk of it is peeling like.
1: And that is, uh, the tree otherwise looks healthy? Yes. Then that's probably a normal thing. Uh, many times, especially when we have some wet weather, when a tree is growing vigorously, uh, it's kind of like a lizard or a snake that outgrows its skin and it splits and, you know, skin comes off. In the case of a vigorous tree, sometimes the xylem, sometimes the inner part of the tree expands faster than that outer portion, the bark can expand and you end up with splits. In that and that's a normal process uh, years ago and they may still do it on some trees like pecans growers would actually take a knife and split the bark straight up and down the trunk to allow the inner part to expand more quickly so I don't think there's any problem at all with your uh, uh, with your tangerine tree it's, it's probably just a vigorous naturally fast-growing young tree and it's kind of uh splitting its britches as my mother used to say
2: it's definitely producing a lot of tangerines because i give them to all the neighbors
1: <laughs> well you keep up the good work and don't worry about a few splits in the bark i don't think it's anything to concern you you get yourself to uh, church and enjoy easter martin i appreciate the call thank you bob Bye. Thank, thank you sir all right back to gardening it's gonna be james chris Teresa, and phyllis good morning james
3: morning bob
1: how you doing ah uh, just a beautiful easter sunday morning out there how about you sir
3: I'm watering my trees.
1: <laughs> well, according to the weatherman, you have a pretty good chance that Mother Nature is going to help you out come Wednesday, but I'll believe it when I see it.
3: Yeah, it's kind of hard to hit these uh, these five-gallon pots with a rainstorm. So yeah. I'm gonna, um, I heard you and Howard talking about uh, chemical fertilizers yesterday, and Malcolm used to give me the lecture on them. You can add um uh, you mates and... Uh, and molasses to the, the liquids and right. come up with something that'll work. But what what is he recommending to add to this uh, the dry uh, chemicals to bridge?
1: As mm, he put it, I it- you know any source of carbon is basically yeah. what he was talking about. Um, I just don't find them necessary. I I get plenty of good growth out of everything i grow without turning to that super high nitrogen product maybe some of the you know tree growers and things like that may feel like they've got to bring them to market a little bit more quickly and uh and you know any form of carbon dry humates would be one way to go about it uh Um, even molasses would be something that would help, but I personally, I'm, I just stay away from the, from the synthetic nitrogen and it's at least in part because, uh, these are some of the most polluting agents in the world. And I guess maybe it's the groundwater guy in me and the wildlife and, uh, streams, uh, guy and me that just hates to see those excess nitrates and phosphates wind up in the water and cause all those problems out there so uh, I'm I Howard may deal with some different people than me, but I'm not a real big bridge guy. I'm still staying organic from the word go. Yeah
3: uh, as long as A&M has their way they're going to be chemical fertilizer oh, of course forever. you know that
1: but, Well, you know who's paying for their research? <laughs> it's uh, they the the chemical companies are the ones you know the state provides some tuition provides some income, but uh you know any any the old saying when I was part of academia was publish or parish. And uh, the chemical companies fund a lot of the research that a lot of these professors do, which keep them in good standing in university. And I guess it's only natural that uh, these guys are paying your salary. You're not going gonna to go on promoting the things they promote. Um, we just happen to think that they're not promoting the right stuff. But that's our right, and that's their right. So welcome oh, to America. God.
3: Yeah, uh, we can come up with whatever results you tell us to come up with.
1: Uh, <laughs> that's the old thing they used to say: there, there are three types of lies: their lies, their damn lies, and their statistics. And uh, given enough data, you can prove almost anything you want to prove.
3: Well, so uh, a guy that's got a sack of uh, chemical fertilizer that's too uh, too tight to throw it out, but still wants to use it. Uh, has he got the choice to uh, to mend it with some kind of a carbon like uh, uh, dried molasses and then feel a little bit better about using it until it's all used up? That's, well, that was really my w- what,
1: I'd, what I'd probably do, James, is I'd just be mixing it with more organic stuff. I'd be mixing maybe one-third of the of the synthetic stuff with two-thirds organic stuff, and that way you know you've got all the good stuff you need in there, and you're just kind of diluting down the effect. And uh, I wouldn't be necessarily trying to uh, turn it into a good fertilizer. I'd be kind of blending it in with something that we already know is good fertilizer, and uh, I think that, that is, would be to me, the most effective way to get some benefit out of it without causing problems.
3: Malcolm told me we had some soluble fertilizer for something, and he said, go ahead and put some in the compost pile because it will." the compost pile will chelate the, uh, the material, and I don't really know what that means, but I guess I don't have
1: to. Well, chelating is a form of chemically tying something up. Um and chelated products are are it's just as mainly uh as mainly metallic elements uh that are concentrated tied up chemically in a form that if applied properly will release out the magnesium will release out the iron and what he's basically i guess it's a bit of oversimplification, but they're uh converting them from things from water soluble uh constant or compounds that might be out there causing problems to more insoluble compounds that will be released over time instead of all at once
3: oh okay i understand it now so if somebody's got a sack of uh you know what and they want to still use it i can tell them just to get a, a bag of growing green and mix it 50 50 or
1: i i go i go 30 70 okay. uh get two bags of growing green and one bag of you know what and yeah. as long as it doesn't have weed killer in it, if it has weed killer in it, it ought to go into the toxic chemical bin. But if it's just ammonium sulfate or super, you know, one of those others, uh, yeah, two parts uh, organic to one part is going to be just fine.
3: Okay, well, you sure answered my questions. I suspected that might be what you were going to tell me, but I wanted to find out because sometimes uh, we'll get the the people that are thinking about going organic, but they still got a whole shed full of, you
1: know what and uh they want to use it up long as it's not uh contaminated with uh herbicides and insecticides i'm with you you know don't throw it away just uh just uh dilute it down and uh and and go ahead and put the kool-aid out so to speak james you get everything watered and have a blessed easter and uh we will look forward to talking and and next time we get a chance yes
0: sir thank you
1: thank you very much all right now we're to the top of the board and that would be chris good morning chris
0: morning bob how are you
1: i'm good sir how about you
0: i'm pretty good excellent happy easter,
1: yeah, happy easter to you
0: hey, i had a couple of questions i recently planted uh, a lemon uh, tangerine orange and some three different grapefruit trees okay and uh they're about anywhere in- and um what- How often
1: should I be watering them? Uh, Are they in pots or are they in the ground?
0: No, sir. I just put them in the ground last week.
1: Okay. I would be checking the soil right at the base of the trees. And when you water, water when the soil is dry about a knuckle deep. Um, Trees will dry out at different rates. Uh, Even within one type of tree in the same soil, the tree that has the more leaves is going to through the process of transpiration, that tree's going to dry out faster than the tree next to it with fewer leaves. If it's windy, it's going to dry out faster. If it's warm, it's going to dry out faster. This is a way of saying you can't say I'm going to water every day, every other day, every third day. But what I do is, you know, and it's usually in the evening rather than the morning because I leave home before light, but I'll just go out and feel the soil on a daily basis. If it's dry to knuckle deep, I'm going to go ahead and give it a good thorough soaking, uh, if it's uh, still moist down that deep, I'm going to wait till the next day. I think on okay, average, sorry. you're probably going to be watering every three to five days. But if we have a warm, windy day, you may have to water on a daily basis for a while.
0: Okay. My other question is, I have three avocado plants, a uh, Premier, a Joey, and a uh, Don Juan. Okay. And I was told to, uh, they were in like the three-gallon buckets when I bought them. Right. At the local nursery And um, I was told to, if I have some of those molasses tubs, drill holes in the bottom, put them in the molasses tub with some good soil and leave them in there for one to two years, only catching morning sun, uh, if possible, until the trunk bark gets brown and hardens up and then put them in the ground. Is that right?
1: Well, unless you've got a backhoe, I'm not sure how you're going to handle a tree in a molasses tub. Um right. it is true that until that bark hardens uh it is not going to be as cold hardy and it is somewhat true that uh, it could be a little more susceptible to sunburn. But uh, as long as you've got a good uh, foliage on it, uh, I'm, I'm not super concerned about sunburn. If I were concerned about sunburn, I'd mix up a little rock phosphate and water, maybe with a little bit of wood ash or uh, something like that, and actually paint the trunks. This is what a lot of commercial nurserymen you know, or tree growers, wholesale nurserymen, will actually paint the trunks uh, to reduce the possibility of sun scald. And it certainly wouldn't hurt anything. Is it absolutely necessary? I'm not real sure. Um, I, if I were real concerned, I would leave them in the three-gallon containers they came in for a little while to let them get acclimated to it. Uh, but it is very true that the first year or two Until that trunk uh, really hardens, till it becomes a rough bark, it may be more susceptible to winter damage, so uh, uh, you need to be prepared to protect it. But uh, I just, you know, a three-gallon pot probably weighs 30 pounds if it's wet. A molasses tub probably weighs 350 pounds, especially if it's wet. And I'm not sure how you would handle a tree fully filled out in a molasses tub, uh, both on the You know, just from the physical weight of it and also the fact that we don't want to do a lot of damage to the roots, getting it out of the molasses tub and into the ground. So um, if I were going to put it in a big container, I probably would put it in one of these wooden tree boxes or something, as you could actually put the whole box in the ground, knock the sides out of it, and count on the bottom to rot out. I, I, I just don't see planting something into a molasses tub that I'm going to later put into the ground. Uh, just because of the the weight problem and the fact I don't want to bust it up trying to get it out of the molasses tub and into the into the soil. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, sir. The other thing is when you do plant them in the ground, I have uh, researched where half half say to uh, mound up and then put it in the ground, and some say you don't have to mound up.
1: Well, what you're working to do is to expose that root flare. And also, if you have a very high so- water table or if you have uh, soil that doesn't drain well, I think it's a good idea because it ensures the drainage. Uh, at our nursery, when we first bought the lot next door to us, we planted some big oak trees in the ground, not realizing how high the water table was. They, they, you know promptly died on us next round we actually brought the trees in we set the root ball on top of the ground and then built a little container around them with railroad ties and those trees have absolutely flourished So I would base my decision on how high I'm going to plant the tree on my soil type, on how rapidly the soil drains. It's real hard to come up with one procedure that works well everywhere you talk about it. But in general, the one thing I think we can very definitely generalize and say that it's better to plant a tree too high than it is to plant a tree too low. But do you actually need to mound up? I'll let you make that decision based on your soil type.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Bob. Appreciate
1: it. It's always a pleasure, Chris. Hope it's a wonderful weekend for you, and I know we'll talk again. All right. Back to gardening. It's going to be Teresa, Phyllis, and Rosalie, and Teresa's next. Good morning, Teresa.
4: Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Uh, thank you for sharing your knowledge. Oh, and it's always happy a pleasure. Easter. And to you and as I well. I have three questions. Okay. I'm getting a little impatient with my okra seeds. Is it too cold for them to germinate? I Absolutely. I put them out about...
1: Okay, good. Yeah, you shouldn't yeah. have put them out for another two or three weeks if you want to know the truth.
4: If, oh, that's good to know.
1: Yeah, it's okra is not a warm weather plant. Okra is a hot weather plant. It's the last summer crop that goes into my garden, and I haven't, it'll probably be, it's normally the first of May. This year it may be a little bit later in May, as cool as the soil still is. So okay. uh I would tell you, when Mother's Day comes around, if you haven't seen any sprouting at that point, plant some more seed. Seed is cheap. Uh, yours may have been in the ground so long that it may germinate sporadically, if at all. But, right. uh right. um right. Yeah, and in the future, uh, Mother's Day should be a real easy day for you to remember. Yes. And that's about the time most years you ought to be okay. planting your okra.
4: I will. And then, um, I have these beautiful nasturtium vines
0: mm-hmm.
4: that... Are growing under my crepe myrtle, okay. and I didn't plant them. Uh-huh. But I always do seed my nasturtiums in pots. Mm-hmm. But do those make seed? Oh yeah, yeah. Where I've never seen it. Where? How do I get that seed?
1: Well, it's hard well, to they, collect. It, it they make a small seed pod that is uh, just basically at the base of the flower um and but as you know nasturtium seed is not real big to begin with um and a lot of nasturtiums don't make seed a lot of the more ornamental forms uh they've replaced the reproductive part of the flower with more petals so not every nasturtium makes seed but a lot of the old basic uh uh nasturtiums will make seed but i gosh it uh, I, you'd have to be watching it daily and know exactly what to look for uh to try to collect the seed i think you're better off to you know buy seed to put in your pots and where they decide to reseed naturally just enjoy them as you know they're all going to die yeah. out when it gets super hot so they're well, not going to be always, a problem the great always problem.
4: buy the seed i uh-huh. like that empress of India or something. Yeah. But these, I didn't plant these. They just grew there. I guess the birds <laughs> did it because they come visit my crib myrtle. But they're so beautiful, Bob. Yeah. They're vining up this little gate that's there. And I thought, oh, I need some of that seed if if it's viable.
1: Well, All right. chances All are, right. here's what's going to happen. Chances are next uh, late winter, spring, they will once again reseed and start to grow. At that point, dig up a few little seedlings. Transplant them just after they have about their second set of true leaves and let Mother All Nature right. plant the seed for you. But typically, okay. she will plant enough that you can thin them out a bit and still have plenty left to grow up that old gate.
4: Oh, good. All right. My third question. I have a Myers lemon in a pot, uh-huh. and I've had it there for two or three years, and it's got fruit on it. I was thinking that I'd like to put it in a larger pot. Sure. Should I wait for that, or can I do it now and it won't drop the fruit?
1: Well, see, if you damage roots, you're probably going to drop fruit, but putting it from pot A into pot B you shouldn't be damaging the roots at all. You should take your new, slightly right. larger pot, put some soil right. in the bottom, put the slip it out of one pot, put it on top of the soil, filling around the sides, and the tree just breathes a sigh of relief and says, uh, "Gee, thanks, but it, you didn't do any damage, so there. You, you should right. not expect any fruit drop at all. And okay. uh, this afternoon would be a real good time to do it.
4: Yep. Okay. Thank you very much. Have you a are. good holiday.
1: You do the same. We'll talk Bye-bye. again, Teresa. Thank mm-hmm. you. Bye. All right, Phyllis's turn. Good morning, Phyllis.
5: Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I have um, a hibiscus that I bought uh, at the big box store, and uh, it's now starting to get a lot of buds on it. Uh-huh. But it needs to be replanted, which I didn't do when I bought it. Sure. And. So can I replant it without damaging the buds that are on there?
1: Oh, yeah. Just like Teresa's lemon tree. You're just going to pop it out of one pot and put it into another, and that should do just zero, if any, damage to it. Now, I will warn you that many hibiscus, especially the double forms, uh, will drop some buds at this time of year. Uh, Just because the nights are still cool, but um, uh, transplanting it should not have any effect on it at all. It'll just make it easier to water and easier for it to grow big and make even more flowers for you. Do it at your earliest convenience. Yeah, it's
5: in that crappy dirt from the (laughs) store, you know. And it just takes water every day. I have to water it. Sure. I want to transplant it and get it in
4: good soil.
1: Uh, You're doing the right thing, and uh, it certainly is important because if hibiscus gets dry, it will drop leaves and uh, not be nearly as pretty. So just at your convenience, you go right ahead and transplant it. It should not affect the buds at all.
6: Okay. Thank you very much.
1: You're welcome, fellas. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Rosalie is up first. Good morning.
6: Good morning, Bob. How are you?
1: I'm very well, thank you. How about yourself?
6: Doing well, thank you. I have, uh, I hope, three quick qu- questions. Oh, okay. Uh, my husband and I live um, just a little bit north uh, west of Poteet. Okay. Uh, sandy, except we have lots of trees on our three acres. Uh-huh. Uh, he was going to put up a, a, um, a carport, and so we... It's the... the um, was about twelve by twenty, uh-huh. and we covered it with black plastic. This has been several months ago, okay, to kill all the weeds and everything. Well, plans have changed, <laughs> so uh, I I want to take the plastic off, and and what had been there was just, you know, weeds and and uh, all sorts of weeds, no grass. I want uh-huh. to put grass there.
1: Okay, how sunny is it?
6: It's it, this part is total sun okay and i went to over to fanix the other day we i was in town and went over to Phoenix and uh, talked to the grass guy over there and he uh recommended bermuda seed mm-hmm. um so when can i plant that
1: well we're gonna have to watch the weather i would not plant your bermuda seed quite yet bermuda likes it really really hot and uh, it was 43 degrees at my house yesterday morning. Probably pretty chilly down in uh, Poteet as well. Yeah. And we need to be we need to be having 90 degree afternoons. We need to be having afternoon or having evenings that are in the 60s instead of the 40s and low 50s. So we're gonna have to watch it. Typically, I never say normal when I talk about Texas weather, but typically in Texas, uh by the middle of May, it's warm enough to plant Bermuda seed. So, I'm going to tell you Mother's Day at the very earliest, but we're just going to have to watch the thermometer. We can't watch the calendar in this case when we start having 90 degree days and the nights are warmer as well. That will be the time to put your Bermuda seed out. When you put it out, you're going to need to water it probably two or three times a day, very lightly, to get it up and growing. And that area that you had the black plastic down, of course, in killing the weeds, you kind of, you took a lot of other things out of the soil. So... I what If it were mine, what I would do is I would go ahead now and put a little bit of organic fertilizer down. Um, you know, any of the really good organic products are going to help put some life back into the soil as well as some nutrients. And then that soil is going to be in much better shape, is going to be ready for that Bermuda seed when you plant it three or four weeks from now. So I go ahead and uh, put the fertilizer down, maybe put just a very light application of compost. I go ahead and water it once a week or so uh, and then when it's time to put the seed down things should be ready to take off in a hurry
6: okay yeah that's that's kind of what I was planning on doing um, thank you for that information the other one is uh using uh the 20 uh, percent vinegar and orange oil for our weeds right what kind of a hand sprayer do you do you recommend
1: you know I it is so hard to find a decent sprayer these days <laughs> yes. I've been uh, very impressed with a line um, that that we are carrying now. I've been using it for a couple of months at home before we put it on our shelves, but it's called Centurion, C-E-N-T-U-R-I-O-N, or I-A-N. I'd have to look it up. But uh, they are not expensive at all. In fact, I think they're cheaper than the... Gilmore's, which I uh, just they're just pieces of trash uh, in my opinion, they work for a little while and then quit, but uh yeah. I'm real impressed with this centurion sprayer. It's reasonably priced now, vinegar and orange oil you will have to rinse it after right. each use right. but uh if you can find one of those sprayers that that's what I'm using now, and like i say it's it's better quality and lower price and comes with a good guarantee
6: and it it is a hand
1: sprayer <laughs> they make a hand sprayer uh it holds half gallon you pump it up with a little uh, lever on top uh they also make a one gallon sprayer to carry around and they make a two gallon sprayer uh if you uh you know to have a little bit bigger tank on it but yes all three of those uh um are real good products
6: okay you you will see me in there next week
1: <laughs> we'll look forward to helping and, you
6: and then uh the other question was um Also concerning grass, we've been down in this area for almost 12 years, and when we moved in, the people before us, um, uh, the the front door is about halfway down from the driveway. Uh Uh, And for some reason, he had put just in front of the house, there is a walkway, Mm -hmm. um, but then on the other side of the walkway, he put down gravel. To have a driveway to drive around to the north to the south side of the house. Okay. Well, we live. Our the house is kind of on a on a downhill slope, and over those twelve years, it the, that uh, gravel has been covered a little bit with a uh, soil that has washed down.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: And. Consequently, there are weeds, and we had lots, lots of wildflowers, blue bonnets, and Indian paintbrushes. <laughs> Mother
1: Nature's weeds.
6: Oh, love them. Yeah. But anyway, uh, when I, I want to start cleaning that up and getting the, the weeds out of there and the dead uh, flowers, oh, oh, oh and it, it only gets about maybe sun from about noon until 5 o'clock. Okay. Um, so what could I put down there? What kind of a... a, a Um, ground cover or something could I put down there on that north on that west side
1: well uh, there's among my favorite ground covers there's one called dwarf plumbago it's not really a plumbago but it's a good low growing thing has beautiful dark dark blue flowers and it grows relatively quickly. Uh, dwarf Plumbago would be a good choice. Uh, your old Asian Jasmine is the most commonly used ground cover in the area. There's a pretty yellow flowering, rapidly growing vine called Wedelia, W I D E L I A, would be another possibility you could put down there. Um, if you wanted uh, just a low growing flowering plant, you could put down your Blue Shade Ruelia. There, there are quite a few choices out there.
6: Okay, blue shade Ruellea.
1: R U E L L I A.
6: All right, all right. Thank you so much for all of your knowledge. I appreciate. I've been appreciating you appreciating you since 1968.
1: <laughs> You're giving our age away, Rosalie. Yeah, I, I have know, a I know. Have yeah. a wonderful Easter. We'll talk again. Let me get yeah. Diane in here before the end of the show. Good morning, Diane. Hi, Diane. Uh,
5: hi, Diane. <laughs> hi, Bob. Good morning. It's only I haven't had my second cup of coffee.
1: Uh, lucky you, I haven't had my first. But anyway, go ahead.
5: <laughs> I have a 12 year old fruitless pear in the front yard. My front yard faces due north. Okay. So when that hailstorm came in from the west, it hit, and of course all my leaves were starting to come out on my tree. It hit the left side of my tree, which faces, you know, west,
0: mm-hmm.
5: and it just. Beat those leaves, denuded areas. Am I going to get any growth back on the, that side of the tree?
1: Oh, yeah. Six weeks from now, it will be fully leafed out again. I'm sure you got some scarring you know on the bark which will heal fortunately ornamental pears don't get oak wilt I don't think there's any real danger of any infection any kind of diseases or anything you can help that tree out with uh maybe a little bit of extra dry fertilizer same thing you put on your grass but uh, that tree's going to recover and come out so quickly it'll surprise you a great deal
5: Okay, that's what I needed to know, because the the leaves on the left side are, like, shredded, torn in half. I have sections that I had leaves, don't have leaves anymore, so it will come back out.
1: Yes, it will.
5: Bob, thank you so much, and you have a blessed Easter.
1: You and your family do the same, and I know we'll talk again.